God bless you guys. Amen. Well, I'm going to begin a new series today called The Sword of the Lord. And uh, how many of you received an outline that should look like this? How many of you haven't? If you haven't, raised, raise your hand and we'll make sure you get one. There's a couple there on the back. Dave, if you can let those uh, in the, maybe in the foyer know, a couple on the back row there. Um, the scriptures that I have for you today, there's, there's quite a few, uh, as you'll see on your outline. However, there will be up on the screen for you to be able to follow along with very, very easily. And as uh, everybody kind of gets situated and the kids go their way today, I just want to speak to you today about one of the weapons of our warfare that's called the sword of the Spirit, and it is the Word of God. And I just want you to understand that it is not only an offensive weapon, but it's also a defensive weapon. How many of you have ever watched uh, Three Musketeers or some kind of old movie and they're, they're fighting with swords? That sword is not only for offense, it's also defense, it's a defense mechanism. And I would, I would say that the sword is one of the most uh, interesting weapons of our warfare. It's, it's one of our only offensive weapons. However, I will say this, even though this is not in the Ephesians 6 portion of uh, weapons of our warfare or the armor of God, praise is also a weapon. Because when you praise God, in fact, it is one of the most important weapons because when you look at the prayer that Jesus taught his, his disciples how to pray, what we call the Lord's Prayer, it begins in praise. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praise be your name. And it ends in praise. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here it is. For thine is the power, the glory, the kingdom. All of that, it's praise. You come back, you start in praise, you end in praise. Amen? And in between, you meet every one of the needs that we have. But today, I want you to know that the Lord has a sword and it's the Word of God, and you cannot keep it in your sheath. Because right now, the enemy of our soul is running rampant through our nation like never before. And I want to speak to you today about the enemy. I have subtitled this, even though this is called, the series is called The Sword of the Lord. The message title today is called The Enemy and the Word. Everybody say it, The Enemy and the Word. So I want you to imagine the enemy on this side and the Word of God on this side. And I want to begin by showing you six things. I'm going to call them tactics of our enemy. I'm going to call them desires of our enemy. How many of you know that enemy desires to thwart you? There are six things. I want you to just walk through this with me. Quickly, and then we're going to get right into the Word of God. He wants you to doubt God. Number one, the devil will tempt you to doubt God. Right now, all over America, people are doubting God. Right now, we are seeing such a decline in, in uh, faith or in people coming to church, coming together, being together, where faith is not where it used to be in the United States of America. I'm here to say God's fixing to change that. Amen? So, 
The devil will come to tempt you to doubt God, but can I just say this? Do not let your circumstance determine your God. Let your God determine your circumstance. Secondly, not only does he want you to doubt God, he wants you to live in fear. Man, listen to me. If all you do is listen to the national news, you're going to be in fear. Amen? And fear is not the absence of faith. It is the misplacement of it. Fear is faith that the bad thing is going to happen. God doesn't want us living in that kind of faith. God wants us to live in the faith that what God said is going to happen. And so what happens is, is the devil wants you to live in fear. He does not want to uh, rob you necessarily of your faith. He wants your faith to be in anything but God. Are you with me? If you're with me, say, I'm there, Pastor. See, life in Christ is life not in fear. If you are in Christ, you have left a life of fear. Can you say amen? Listen to what Psalm 34, 4 says. It says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Everybody say all of them. So he wants you to doubt God. He wants you to live in fear. Thirdly, he wants you to feel insecure. Don't let the devil tell you that you're unloved. Don't let the devil tell you that you're not good enough. Don't let the the devil tell you that you're not God's handiwork because you are. You are God's handiwork, and in Christ, not only are you good enough, you are more than conquerors through him who gave you that power. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I think we're going to get something good. Fourthly, he wants you to avoid the church. He does not want you to come together. See, the more uninvolved a person becomes uh, with, outside of the body of Christ, the harder it is to persevere in your faith. Because here's what the devil loves to do. He loves to take the one sheep and get you off all by yourself. Isn't it interesting? Jesus will leave the 99 to go get the one. Because he knows the power that the enemy will have if he can get the one sheep out of the flock. Because he gets to talking to that sheep, and he gets to thinking, he, you know, he gets to causing him to doubt God, and causes him to fear, and causes him to feel insecure. So he wants you to, he wants you to uh, avoid the church. It is not easy to follow Jesus in a world that doesn't follow Jesus. And we need one another. We need one another. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. You see, when we leave the flock that we're made for, the Bible says we're going to get devoured. And the devil, the Bible says this about him, is he is seeking someone to devour. So he wants to cause you to doubt God. He wants you to live in fear. He wants you to feel insecure. And he wants you to avoid the church. Fifthly, he wants you to be led astray. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. And when we rely on the words of men or ourselves in place of God's word, we will lead others away from Jesus. And it's happening all over. And sixthly, he wants you to fail. The devil wants to destroy you. I'm going to show this in Scripture to you. John 10.10. He wants to destroy you. 
The devil is not your friend. He wants you to settle for what the world is settling for. He wants you to settle for what the world has to offer. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want you to see this, 8 through 10. Just listen to this. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. I want you to hear this. It tells us some things that are happening in our life, but then it counters it because we're going to walk in the Word of God. Are you with me? We are hard-pressed on every side. Can I get an amen? But not crushed. We are perplexed. Anybody perplexed? But not in despair. Persecuted. Anybody persecuted? But not abandoned. Struck down. Anyone feel struck down? But not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. I die daily. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Now when you feel like you're going to lose, take heart. Jesus already won. He already won. Don't want to be devoured? Stop doubting and believe. John 20, 27. You see, your faith cannot act beyond your belief. In other words, your belief empowers your faith. So what do you believe about God? I serve a big God. Our God, years ago we used to sing this song, we got a great, big, wonderful God. A great, big, wonderful God. A God who's always victorious, always watching over us. A great, big, wonderful God. You see, if we understand this battle that we're in, then we can begin to take steps to ensure we're on the winning side. And this morning, I am, I am as I start this series, I want you to understand the devil has a battle plan, so we better have a plan. Satan has a plan that he is working within, with his army, of fallen angels. We refer to them as demons. But remember this, there are more with us than there are with him. God still has two-thirds of them. Only one-third fell with the devil. And so I want you to hear some scripture. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, And do not be conformed to this world. Hello? Say it again. Do not be conformed to this world. So what do I do, Pastor? Be transformed. How do I do that? By renewing my mind so that I can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That's the will of God. God's will is good. God's will is acceptable. God's will is perfect. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 20 through 24, but you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him. Just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, what did we do? We laid aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. The devil wants to deceive us. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Can you say a big amen to that? You see, Paul, if you read the, the, the scriptures that he, God inspired him to write, he is consistent in his message that we as believers in Christ need to renew our minds. And it all goes to the word. And the Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit. 
And so, in this series, I'm going to examine several areas where we are right now under attack, and I'm going to then discuss the steps that we can take to protect ourselves and those around us. Look at your neighbor and say, protect yourself. Now, the first battle tactic, and possibly his most effective one, is his ability to steal the Word of God from you. And I want to say this. Once you lose it, you won't use it. If you lose the Word of God about a situation in your life, you won't use it. And he knows that. And he's a thief. I want you to see this because if you lose something, you no longer have access to it. Have you ever lost your keys before? Doesn't it just drive you crazy? You're like, I've got everything on there. My car, my house, my office. You have no access to any of those things. And if you lose those keys, if you lose whatever it is, you have no access to it. So once it's out of your possession and you no longer have it, boy, the devil's got you captive. And when Satan steals the word from you, you cannot readily access it because it's no longer a part of you. It was not implanted within you. Say, well, Pastor, I can just look at the Bible and get it again. I'm talking about getting it in you. You see, Jesus said the thief, here it is, John 10, 10. Everybody with me? Still? In your outline, it's there right under uh, John 10, 10. It's in bold. The thief comes only. Say this, only. He comes only. Three things. To kill or to steal to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. He says, here's why I came, that you may have life and have it abundantly. Do you know what abundantly means? More than you can handle. More than you have room for. If God gives an abundance, it means it's not just enough, it's too much. In fact, when Jesus fed the 5,000, did they have just enough or did they have too much? You know, every time God's involved, you're not going to have just enough. You're going to have too much. If you're a tither, he said, I'm going to pour out for you blessings out of heaven until you don't have enough room. You can build a bigger barn, but I'm just going to fill that one too. You're not going to have room enough to receive it. Amen? And church, John 10.10 tells us that the devil is a thief and he is stealing from people. And this morning, as you listen to this message, I want you to just keep one question in the forefront of your mind, and that is this. Do I have anything Satan wants to steal? Turn with me to Luke 8, verse 5. We're going to read verse 5 through 18. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. 
And as he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest of it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away. What is he doing? He's a thief. He's stealing. Takes away the word from their heart implanted. It's not there. Watch this. So that they will not believe and be saved. Right now in America, the devil doesn't want people hearing the word of God because he knows if they hear the word of God, they're going to hear it, believe it, and get saved. Are you with me? Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, but these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they're choked with the worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed that is in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart, and they hold it fast, and they bear fruit with perseverance. Say, persevere. Now, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. I want to say this to every, every person in government, every person watching online, every person listening to this message right now, any person who thinks they're getting by with anything, there's always the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and He's keeping books. The Bible says that there is nothing hidden that will not become evident. There is nothing secret that will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, shall be taken away from him. So in this parable, Jesus is explaining to the people how the word of truth gets lost with those who do not pay active attention to it. We're going to examine each situation. Verses 5 and 12. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Those beside the road are those who have heard, verse 12 says, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they will not believe and be saved. You listen to me. You can come to church. You can hear the word of God, but if it does not get down inside of you, and the world stuff is what's down inside of you, and that's what you live in, and that's what you listen to, and that's what you watch, and that's where you, where you spend the majority of your life, that will be higher in your thought processes than the Word of God. You see, those seeds that fell beside the road were those that you hear the Word, but before it is planted and before it grows within you, Satan is a thief, and he comes in and to steal away those things and to help to cause you not to believe what God has said and to be saved. Most of us know someone who's heard the Word of God over and over and over and have chosen not to believe it. How many of you know people like that? Choosing instead to continue living their life as they choose, and those, these are those whom Jesus spoke of in this example. 
Jesus makes it clear that Satan is stealing the word before they can believe it. This is why we've got to never give up. I'm going to say it again. This is why we must never give up on those that we are ministering to because until they accept Jesus, Satan will constantly be stealing the word sown within them that would cause them to believe and get saved. So stay on your knees in prayer and keep believing for them. Can you say amen? Let's examine the second situation. It's in verses 6 and 13. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Those on the rocky soil, he said, are those who when they hear, they receive the word with joy. How many of you just received the God's word with joy? And then, man, the devil comes in. And these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. Do you know what I find about Jesus? This is a great study for you to do on your own. But every time he does a miracle, do you know what he does afterwards? He goes up and prays. You'll find he spends the whole night in prayer. That's what he did after he fed the 5,000. He said, hey, guys, get in the boat, go across the water. I'll meet you there tomorrow. Now, between here and there, what was there for the disciples? Between the shore and the shore, there was a storm. And the disciples are afraid. They're struggling at the oars. Jesus, as he sent them out, went into a mountain and began to pray. He had just performed major miracle. With five loaves and two fish, he fed 5,000 and had 12 baskets left over. And then he went back up to the mountain and began to pray with his father again, telling his disciples what to do, giving them the power and the authority to do it. And they're afraid. They're straining at the oars. And when Jesus is done praying, he starts walking on the water. Can I just announce to you today the very problem that was holding the disciples back, Jesus was walking on. The very problems that are holding back America, Jesus has power over. You see, in this second example, Jesus is speaking of people who hear the word, they accept it, and they get saved, but at some point, because of temptation... They fall away. Please understand that these are different from the first seeds because in the first situation, those seeds are never received. They're not planted. With these people, they hear it. They receive it, and they're joyful for a while. But they do nothing with the Word. It doesn't have a firm root in it, inside them. And those people believe in Christ for a while, but when temptation comes, everybody say temptation, they fall away. I can't tell you how many people I know that knew Jesus, walked with Jesus, were active in the house of God, and temptation came, and they fell away. Church, listen to me. It is not how you start. It's how you finish. All of you that are golfers know what I'm talking about. Boy, you can start great. You can be on the green in two. Man, ah, awesome. An eight putt. How many of you know if you come out of a hole with ten, you're not a good golfer? Amen. You got to know how to putt. You got to know how to finish it. 
And see, in the kingdom of God, we got to know how to finish it. We all know people who struggle with their faith when things are bad. And Satan knows that if we do not carefully implant that word of God in our lives and we tend to it and we water it and moisture, see, there was no moisture to it. We, we cause it to grow that he can shake us when we experience harsh times. Because Satan knows he does not care how much of the word you hear. You say, Pastor, really? No, as long as you do nothing with it. You see, if you don't protect the word today that you receive today, you can lose it. And this is why people go to church for years and they continue to live the same life they were living before they accepted Christ as their personal Savior because the word was received, but it never grew. It never grew within them and there's no fruit. Say amen. Let's look at number three. Verses 7 and 14. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. The seed which fell among the thorns, he says, these are those who have heard. And as they go on their way, they're choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life. How many of you would say, boy, that sounds like 2023? People are worried. Going after riches going after pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. And this one is interesting because because Jesus doesn't say whether this person ever believed or not. Never can find that there in that passage. What we see here is someone who could be saved or not. And this person hears the word, but when they leave, wherever they heard the word, life kicks in, and they forget all about it. This example accurately describes a lot of people today. They're so busy with their lives that they don't take time to study and to consistently come to worship or do anything relating to actual ministry work. It seems people today always have one more place to be. How many of you know they pass you by at about 85 miles an hour when you're going 60? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they got places to go. Play, play. I mean, you know, they're, they're traveling, they're tired, they're working long hours, and our enemy will use all of those things to keep us from God's family and from focusing on God's Word. Amen? And I want to share this revelation knowledge with you, and, I, and I'm going to say it slowly because of its importance. Satan has to work hard to steal the Word that we hear. However, he does not have to do anything if we never hear the word. When we don't hear the word, when we don't read the word, or when we don't study the Word on our own, Satan really doesn't have anything to steal from you. That's why I asked the question, do you have anything in you the devil wants to steal? He can't steal something we never had. That's why I asked you that question. Let's look at the final example. Is everybody doing okay? It's in verses 8 and 15. Other seed fell into the good soil. Everybody say good. Hallelujah. And it grew up 
and it produced a crop a hundred times as great. Now, uh, I believe it's in the book of Mark. He talks about uh, some produce 30-fold, some 60 and some 100. So there's sometimes people are producing more in the, in the body of Christ than other people are producing, but, but they, it's good soil. The seed, he says in this verse 15, but the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have, now watch this, heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast. It's implanted. It's implanted. Y'all remember being in kindergarten, you got passed out those little, they gave you those little uh, styrofoam cups, and they gave you some dirt, and they gave you a bean seed. You remember that? Remember those days? And you stick the bean seed down in the dirt, and they say, now you water that, and we're going to watch how this thing grows. And in, 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 a, couple, in a couple weeks, it's going to be coming up and growing. How many, you got, how many got to see your bean seed grow? How many of you were in class with somebody that pulled up their bean seeds? Like, where's this thing growing? Uh, well, how come it's not? Hey, they're digging up the bean seed. And sometimes we hear the word of God and say, well, God, how come this isn't working? Because you pulled up the seed, kindergartner. Amen. See, God wants us to keep it implanted. We got to hear the word and we got to hold it fast. Look at your neighbor and say, hold it fast. Don't let that thief steal it. And then they bear fruit with perseverance. Look at your neighbor and really mean this. Tell them, stay in the game. Stay in the game. We should be the good soil that receives the seed and implants it within our hearts. I want everybody at this church, you receive the word of God, and it's implanted in your heart. It's able to save your soul. The person hears the word and he plants it within himself. He makes that word or she makes that word a part of him or her. And they, they work to keep that word. They water that word. They bear fruit with that word. That person doesn't only hear the word. They take it and lay a foundation with it. Then they build upon that foundation. And through their work, they lead someone else to come to hear the word of God. And they hear the word. And it's just a multiplication process. So as I close, and you consider these four situations, only one is optimal. And here is the, here's the crazy thing about it. I've, I've thought of this often. There's only one out of four kind of soils that it grows in. I had a pastor in California once remind me and said something to me. He said, David, do you recognize and realize the sower is sowing the word? And Jesus is talking about us as pastors. I was in a down moment in my ministry. I was like, Lord, it just seems like I preach and it doesn't accomplish anything. He said, David, I want to remind you something. The sower is sowing the word and 75% of the soil he's sowing it into will never yield fruit. He says, so take courage. Look at the 25%. Stop looking at the 75. Jesus taught it.
I want you to think about this. In the first situation, when you hear the word and it's something you choose not to believe, it has the same outcome as that person who hears about Christ and refuses to believe it. You can't operate in something you don't believe in. You cannot act on a word from God if you don't believe or accept it. So even even though you may be saved, you can still have areas in your life with dead, rotting seeds because you choose not to accept them and plant them in good soil. Are you with me? And whenever the word is rejected, whether it's by the saved or the unsaved, that word cannot grow in them, in that person. In the second and third situations, we can identify with both of them as Christians as well. And listen to this. In these two situations, the person who hears the word and receives it and yet does nothing with it, that word can get stolen. It can get suppressed. It can get ignored. And when that person faces temptation or that person is just too busy living their life to be concerned about the word of God and his work, the devil comes in and takes it away. Here's what happens. The Bible says Jesus was led into the wilderness, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You see, a lot of times we think we're going to come to Jesus and we're going to just come into some really great, great days. And yeah, there's some great days, but listen to me. When you come to Jesus, you're going to come into the wilderness. Welcome. It's tough. It's not easy. It's not always easy to stand for Jesus. I know what it is to stand alone. I know what it is to be the only one standing for Jesus. It's a lonely place, but here's the great thing. I'm never alone. Because Jesus promised me, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. And right now in 2023, you're going to feel alone in many situations you go into. You're going to be surrounded with those who need to hear the word of God, and they are not believing what you believe. They do not think the way you think. They do not act the way you act, and you are going to be alone. You're going to be alone in the things you believe. You're going to be alone in the things that you have principles in, but you're never alone. I'm talking about you're going to be alone in the physical realm, but you're never alone in the spirit realm. And when the devil came to Jesus after the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he was there for 40 days and 40 nights before the devil came. He waited until he was hungry, and he tempted him with a very physical need of hunger. He said, hey, you're the son of God. Why don't you make these stones into bread? And what did Jesus do? It is written. It is written. It is written. He said, yeah, but he was the word of God. Yeah, but it was in him. The point I'm trying to make to you is it didn't matter what the devil tempted him with. The word was implanted. It was in him. This cannot be glossed over. We need to make some changes in 2023. If we're going to fully experience all that God has for us in this life, these three situations are direct tactics of Satan to steal the word of God from us. And he'll either steal it directly by people choosing not to believe it, or he will get you caught up in temptations, or truly in trying to do right, but you get caught up in living life, and the things of this world, the worries and the riches and the pleasures of life will suck it out of you. Now, I don't want to start a disagreement about the use or non-use of online Bibles. They can be very beneficial. But I remember the days when more people brought their Bibles to church in order to follow along during the Sunday morning message, and they'd mark it, and they'd write, and they'd mark, and they'd write, and take notes and get the Word implanted into their souls. 
Now, however it works for you, I'm, just, I'm not trying to make an argument, but I am saying we've got to find a way to keep it in us. We've got to find a way to mark it because here's a lot of times, it's kind of like, how many, how many remember when you took a camera and you put film in it? You know, those little, uh, what are they, 110s, you know, and it has a little light bulb that went around. And what did you have to do with that film? You had to take it out of the camera, go into a developer, Walmart, someplace, and you had to get it developed in order to get those pictures. And do you know what? You probably put those pictures out in little frames more so. Now what do we have? We have our phones, and we take photos of it. How many of you have seen pictures that you took 10 years ago? You took it that day, and that's probably the only time you saw. What I'm saying is, is a lot of times out of sight, out of mind. I'm just talking about church. The other thing, what the enemy is trying to do is trying to keep us busy. Am I preaching truth? Okay, I'm just making sure I'm looking at the faces and making sure I'm not, you know, I don't want to bore anybody today, but I just want you to know the devil loves to keep people busy. And sometimes it can come in good things. You know, you, you get a promotion at work, and it requires you to work more hours and not be able to come to church or spend quality time alone with God or have, have, have time with family. And, and you know, I, I'm for kids being in athletics and all those sorts of things, but sometimes... Um, Kids are so involved in so many things, every sport imaginable, and it keeps the parent and the child out of participating in the things of God. Am I still okay? Did I have an amen on that one? I'm just saying Satan is detracting so many people today and, or trying to keep them unfocused. And if he can keep us from hearing the word, we will never have time to get it implanted. So we need to have something available for the devil to try to steal. So I'm going to give you some today. They're on your outline. I just put those, I put them down as scripture seeds. Is everybody still okay? I'll be done within three minutes. Listen to this. Psalm 34, 15. God hears you when you pray. And I'm going to let you read that so you can see what it is I'm saying. John 14, 27, he gives you peace. 2 Timothy 1, 7, he gives you a sound mind. Psalm 23, 4, he's with you in the valley of the shadow of death. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, he gives you weapons against the enemy. Hebrews 8, 12, he forgives your sins and will remember them no more. 1 Peter 2, 24, he'll heal you. Proverbs 3, 6, he will direct your paths. Hebrews 13, 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Romans 8, 27, he searches your heart and knows the mind of the Spirit. Jeremiah 31, 3, someone needs to hear this one. He loves you with an everlasting love. Everybody say everlasting. Philippians 4.19, he'll meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. And Matthew 28.20, he's with you always. So if you don't have the word implanted within you, the enemy can easily persuade you. Now, why does Satan want to steal the word of God from you? Because Romans 10.17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you don't hear the word, you can't walk in faith because your faith is linked to and will be proportionate to your knowledge of the word. Second question, why is your faith so important to Satan? Hebrews 11.1, 1, Hebrews 11.6. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.1, 1, 11.6. Answer is, listen, 1 John 5, 4 through 5, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our 
faith. How does faith come? Hearing the word, getting it implanted. So who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So I'm just saying, the Word of God is so important. I'm calling it the Sword of the Lord series. And Satan's best-case scenario is for you to never have a personal relationship with Jesus. But his second-best scenario is that if you have a relationship with him, that it isn't a strong one and you fall away, the seeds fall on the rocky soil, or you ignore God altogether, they fall among the thorns. And the bottom line is, Satan wants to block or hinder you having a relationship with God. Do you have any of God's Word within you that Satan wants to steal? Think about it. Bow with me. Until next time. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. God bless. Have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold.